Today, we're gonna talk to a top producer who built an amazing business in New York City, then life changed and she moved out to Connecticut and had to start all over again and built an even bigger business. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer Sarah Stone. Before we get to Sarah, if you want to continue to help our show grow, uh, we just ask that you do really, well, three things, I guess. I'm going to ask for a lot today. One is tell a friend. Think of one other realtor that could benefit from these episodes. You know, this is a tough year for realtors, especially if you're working with buyers. So let's help our our fellow agents as much as possible. Please let them know about the show. I appreciate it. Also, support our sponsors. They pay the bills and we love our sponsors and we choose them very specifically only if if I think they can add value to your business. So please support them as well. And then third, follow us on social media. Almost every day we post short form video clips on all the major social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, etc., where we post little best of clips from our episodes, usually 60 seconds with an actionable strategy. So find us anywhere, uh, any social platform, just search for keeping it real. We appreciate it. But enough about that. Let's get to the main event. My conversation with top producer, Sarah Stone. Today, my guest is Sarah Stone from Douglas Element. She's in Fairfield County, Connecticut, uh, Greenwich, uh, Westport, and also in New York and Westchester as well. Let me tell you more about Sarah. Um, Sarah, this is really an impressive uh, biography, so I really want you guys to clue in on this because we're going to touch about a lot of what I'm about to mention here. So Sarah was a top producing a broker at Douglas Elliman's Manhattan office at 575 Madison Avenue for a decade. She was Rookie of the Year during her tenure there in Manhattan. She sold many, many high-profile properties, including 65th uh, East 76th, 800 Park Avenue, and the world-famous Dakota Building, which is at 1 West 72nd. She has now taken her experience, knowledge, and famed sales experience and expanded it 
from New York into the Connecticut suburbs, specializing in the purchase and sale of fine homes in both Fairfield and Westchester counties. Sarah also has a fine eye for exterior interior design. She's an expert in staging and decorating a home. She She's resided and raised children in both Bedford, New York and Greenwich, Connecticut. She is the perfect guide to find or sell your own suburban splendor. A former nationally ranked tennis player, which I would love to ask a few questions to improve my own game, uh, Sarah spends her free time playing tennis and also pickleball. And I do want to talk about pickleball because I am the noise of it is is my only issue with pickleball is noise, uh, but it is a fun game. Um, in one of Greenwich Greenwich's most beautiful town parks or clubs, Sarah can also be spotted driving around in her vintage Mercedes convertible. I want everybody to follow Sarah on her Instagram. She has an amazing Instagram following, Sarah Stone Style. So S S S Sarah with an H Stone Style. We will so at Sarah Stone Style, we will have a link to that in the show notes and also a link to her Douglas Elliman website. Definitely check her out on social. She does some really super cool things. Sarah, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. That was an extraordinary intro. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate you. And coming on our show is a big deal for us. We we know just how busy uh, top producers like you are. And it's been the biggest and loveliest surprise for me as starting the show like five or six years ago in thinking, oh, none of these top producers are ever going to have time for this. And yet here we are like 500 episodes later and still <laughs> being able to get uh, top producers like you to give us some time that I know is in short supply for you. So thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Let's start at the beginning. So how did you get into real estate and why? So my journey to real estate actually started, I'd say fairly early on, um, relatively speaking. I graduated with a degree in economics from Tulane University down south. And I, um, I, at that time, my goal was let's let me get a job that will make me the most amount of money the quickest. I wasn't like, oh, what's my passion? What am I good at? And, you know, not. I was like, let me get in into Wall Street and and let's get cracking. Sure. And, that, and that's what I did. I worked for uh, a mutual fund called Lord Abbott. That was my first. Sure. Job. Sure. Um, at, that I was in the GM building um, on 58th Street, right across from the Plaza Hotel. And I got my Series 7, um, my Series 7 and 63. Um, I, I, I had those both as well. My first oh, job yeah? as a financial advisor, so I yeah. know that world. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I was um, working as um, I was selling, working with regional managers to sell our various funds. And, and sure. I did that for a little bit there. And then I moved on to another bank, um, DLJ, which is back from that sort of a 90s, uh, was a boutique kind of bank back then that was bought by Credit Suisse First Boston while I was there. Um, when when I, as I was working uh, at DLJ, you know, I, I worked as a registered sales assistant for the bigger brokers, retail brokers there. And um, it's, it's a very fast paced, high pressure, male 
dominated, especially sell, sell, sell. Yeah. Business. And, um, it's frantically paced, although, you know, not, not to say that this business isn't, uh, but it was just, you know, it was something like, Ooh, is this really, did I pick the right thing for me? Um, and this is when my introspective, uh, examination of, of my, my thoughts and, and goals really and truly were. And, and it, this is another bit of a diversion, but I, I was always into, um, I wanted to be into acting, theater, modeling, and that kind of thing. So sure. I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to try, I'm going to go for all that stuff. I'm going to go for my dreams, but the pay isn't so great when you're starting out. So I said, I'm going to subsidize that with, I'll be, I'll sell some real estate on the side. You know, I had gone through the process of, of um, renting an apartment in Manhattan. And I saw, I, I got a little bit of, of um, a window into how all that worked. And I, I saw my, I, I asked my broker a lot of questions and um, in, in Manhattan, especially, I mean, you're paying back then you were paying a 15% commission to the, to your broker. As yeah. A, let, as let's, a let's talk about this. Let's let's pause for a second because this is a very important distinction. Um, when Sarah's like, "Oh, okay, I I really am acting, modeling. Uh, I want to pursue that, and I'll do some real estate on the side." What what she what if you don't know realist if you don't know rentals in New York City? One of the things that she's explaining right now, and I apologize for being rude and interrupting, but I want to make sure everyone understands this. It's very different from pretty much every major other major market. Maybe Boston's a little bit this way too, but Boston and New York, I think are the only two markets that do this where oftentimes the renter, the renter oh, yeah. pays the commission, which is a tough sell, right? That right? is hard. Oh, by the way, I need an extra $5,000. It's, it's, uh, yeah. On top of, I mean, the, you know, yeah. New, New York on top of first month, rent, last month, first yeah. month, last month yeah. uh, and your security deposit. And here's another, you know, 15% of it, of, of the year's rent. So, um, yeah, definitely. It was something that, that, um, I, I made note of when I was going through the process, like, Ooh, doing the math, you know, let's see. If she, and this is just rentals, you know, I wasn't even thinking about the sales game then. So, um, I had a friend, I had sort of a connection at Douglas Elliman, um, and, and they, well, you know, they said, let's give it a shot, do your thing. And uh, that first year I made 10 times what I made doing the acting modeling gig in, in real estate. So amazing. I found that I really had a knack for it. And, and not only that, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed get because I, I just love New York City so much. And yeah. I found that I really had so much passion for just checking it all out and getting to know all the different neighborhoods and you know and like how great is that like my job is just kind of to cruising around the city and and checking out all all kind i mean especially in those early days you you wouldn't believe like what i was it wasn't all glamour trust me it was you know i was trying like to to sell this studio that was above the subway uh sandwich shop 
that sure. smelled like it smelled like bread all the time. That subway bread. I still to this day I can't. It's burned walk. into my sense I can't memory. I walk into yeah. a subway. I can't. Do, it just takes me back to like, like, you know, I was probably I I must have shown that thing over fifty times. So I spent a lot of time in that apartment. Um, <sighs> but that's sort of like how it it, it was. It was definitely the money was great at that time. Uh, and and it was, um, I found that I really enjoyed it and it was something that I was really good at. So it, it, I just sort of morphed more and more making that into my full-time occupation. And so so you you really built your career in the city and then you then made eventually made a move. And so essentially, I mean, it wasn't like you moved across the country, so it was neighboring, but still far enough away where it's a different world, at least a bit of a different world. And having to sort of start over essentially is in in an incredible it's almost like it's almost like uh, an attorney who passes the bar in New York. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, I think I really want to live in Arizona. It's like, well, they, they now have to, they now have to go do it all over again in Arizona. Right, right, um, right. You, you know, and so you essentially had a similar kind of experience where you were moving from Manhattan, which is insanely a challenging market to be a realtor in, whether you're doing rentals, sales. I've interviewed tons of people, even from your firm who, who's, who work in, in New York, how, how challenging, of course, we all know how challenging it is. And, and then to then, go somewhere else and say, well, I'm going to like start all over essentially. And again, I, I understand it's not completely starting over, but essentially it is. So I, that is even more amazing is that you've sort of, you were rookie of the year in, in, in New York and then, you know, back uh, into the suburbs um, as, as your life changed. And so what was that transition like, like going to a new market, a, a new area and trying to build your business again? Um, well, it was, it, it, I was, I'm very grateful for my firm, Douglas Elliman, be, because that the fact that they're the biggest mover of real estate in Manhattan, and um, and they had oh, they had opened up a, a an Elliman office in Greenwich about five years prior to my joining, so they had a nice established referral thing going on um, on their own. I stepped in with some, a lot of pre-existing relationships with brokers that I had worked with in Manhattan while I was there. And, and when, while I was in the city, I, I should mention, I, I was, you know, I worked in three different offices while I was there. I, I was at 575, but I was also on the Upper West Side for a little bit. Uh, I worked at 980 Madison for a little while. So I really got to know a lot of brokers and, and, and in this business, you'll find, I mean, people go 20 years in this business easy. So there's a lot, there was a lot of people that, that are still very much active in their careers that I have worked with back then. So it was a very, I was very lucky to be able to light up those relationships and knock on, you know, knock and call, call people up and say, Hey, I'm back in the game. What have you got? Let's go. And, and it was the timing couldn't have been better, obviously with that, the start of the, the pandemic and the, the major shift, the demographic shift that we all saw from the city to the suburbs. 
Yeah, it was that, that really was good timing. Um, I'm yeah. sure it wasn't. It was accidentally good for you. But yeah, yeah. What, what a yeah. what a fortunate what a fortunate thing, and and yet still there's still a lot of competition, of course, where you are, and there's a lot of great realtors, uh, and so you know you um you we I'm assuming you were able to take a lot of the sort of habits and disciplines and that you learned you know working. Oh in the yeah, city. I mean I think you know being a good salesperson is being a good salesperson. You, you know, like you remember the, the, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street um, sure. and that last scene, you know, he had gone to, to the federal prison for, for, yeah. y- you know, his, his tax evasion and fraud, wire <laughs> yeah. Yeah. fraud and all the stuff that he had done. And um, he got out and then he was, giving seminars across the country and holding he said sell me the pen yeah right right and like and and that's sort of the that that's the spirit you know like when if you have this skill it can it it can really work across a lot of different platforms so while i was good at at doing it at and i was you know a a realtor in manhattan selling co-ops and condos it my skill set was very applicable as far as as um, selling homes here here up in in the suburbs. It's just you know we didn't have have septic tanks and we didn't worry about that like su- sewage and all all that stuff. Roofs. Yeah. There, there's a whole other aspect of of real yeah. estate that goes on here that isn't necessarily i mean back in the city you have to worry about co-op board packages which forget about it i don't miss those whatsoever i i always loved when my sister bought a condo or sorry co-op um in the west village uh many many years ago and um and my sister's kind of a little superstar in her own uh in the industry she's in and she was certainly uh, more than qualified to buy this uh co-op and she you know they Got the offer accepted, and I. This is like a million years ago, and I didn't know anything about real estate. She's like, "Oh, and now I have to go for my interview." And I was like, "Your interview?" <laughs> You're my, oh, yeah. I was like, "What? What is that?" And, and so, if, if no one's ever dealt with co-ops before, you can obviously look this up. But there's typically an interview process to make sure that the because co-ops are are slightly different. It's ownership share, so everyone's kind of owning everything to a degree. So they want to make sure that you're not some total bozo who's going to screw everything up for everyone. And so oftentimes you do have to go in front of the board and, oh, and yeah. forget about forget about that you put 100% down or, or whatever. Uh, they're not evaluating that. They want to make sure personality-wise that you're not a total joke. Every, they want to know who your best friend was in second yes. grade. They want to know your blood type. They want to see all your bank accounts. I mean, they for, they want to know every little detail about you. And you, they you, each have a package about that thick in front of yeah. you. Did you um, ever see it? Did you ever have a deal go south because the personalities didn't line yeah. up? Did that? Oh. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. All, I, I, it was, I learned that, that game very quickly. Um, it was a, the, my very first, one of my first co-op deals. I remember I was dealing with a, the building on the Upper East Side that was a very snooty, you know, considered themselves quite a, an established and, and, you know, um, prestigious building it was a 50 percent sure. down required you had to put down at least half yeah. and then you had to have at least three times the amount of the apartment in liquid assets in liquid um, assets oh in nice liquid assets. <laughs> yep on hand so i need to have like four million dollars sitting in cash 
Yeah. Um, and the, and my, I had a client who was like, I'm paying all cash and PS, I have $50 million in the bank account. Let's, let's rock and roll. The board came back and said, okay, we'd like to do the interview uh, in on July 15th. They, my client said, no, July's no good. What do you have in August? So that was all they needed. That, that was it. That was the end. Sorry, you're not a fit. Uh, we need you to come in July. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was it. They, they said, if this guy's, if that's how he's going to play it, forget. I mean, you have to as though you're approaching you're you're getting an introduction with the queen i mean that's how you have to think of it like you have to like, be so honored you have to like if you've got plans and kiss the ring. Friends, forget it we don't care let's go like isn't that amazing oh yeah uh, like when it's they a different call, world. you come uh, and and i learned but, that very quickly yeah and you probably have to have to then prepare uh your clients for those interviews and say like okay here's here's some suggestions about like don't speak unless spoken to, you know or whatever what you know only give the right answer don't you know whatever or whatever the you know the same sort of thing if you're going in for like being deposed by the attorneys like, don't say yeah. anything that you right. don't ask. Just but be any, like happy and affable yeah. and, you know, talk about your golf handicap and, and <laughs> the tennis match earlier that day. And, and that's about it. <laughs> so, so moving out to the suburbs, moving away from the co-ops, the condos, more single family homes, and um, really kind of learning a, a, a new inventory, I'm guessing, you know, is going out there and really trying, trying to learn that. Um, real quickly, though, just curious, I want to go just... Briefly, back to your very first year doing, you know, rentals and, and maybe some sales uh, in in the city in New York. Um, how do you think, or why do you think you did so much better than so many other rookies that year? Was there anything that that you can say, you know, I was really good at X, Y, or Z, or I just did things that other people wouldn't do? Just curious, and what you thought made the difference for you? Well, for me, it was I I worked as an assistant to a, one of the top producers and a, a legend and i was very lucky to work for this man his name's robbie brown he is, he's no longer with us he passed away a couple of years ago but he is a legend uh in the industry and um and an incredible guy and, and and not at all like a typical broker like he was laid back he, he rode a bike around the city he would ride a bike to you know to your listing appointments um he was he was so cool and casual about it uh but that was on the exterior meantime he was hustling like nobody's business you know he was um he was a great networker he went to every party he went to the opening of an envelope you know he was there he um, he mailed the world, you know, he had people working for him that he just grinded. It just sent, you know, postcards out, blanketing the city with with mailings, um, you know, like that old age old adage that we love so much. If you throw enough shit on the wall, some of it's going to stick type thing. I, th this really applies when it comes when it comes to this. And the other thing that I learned from him is the value of relationships. He had certain clients that that he worked with um, that 
like it always goes back to the you know it being a referral business right so like he had certain um people that he that he worked with that that was provided a pretty steady flow of of listings and one of those sources was from estate attorneys huge huge brilliant and um and i i thought you know when i so when I went out on my own, I emulated him to the T. And I first thing I did was I targeted attorneys. So and, smart. And I and it didn't take that. It didn't take too many. You know, I had probably two or three estate attorneys, and I have one divorce attorney, kind of that I really worked on developing those relationships with. I would show up in the their office with lunch. I would send, you know, bring donuts in the morning. Um, I int- went around, introduced myself, dropping business cards, saying hello to everybody in the office. You know, to, to uh, the point where they started throwing me some listings. You know, smaller ones at first, and then when those would go well, it would, they'd give me the bigger ones, and that's that's how I ended up getting that Dakota listing was through this estate attorney. Amazing. Um, yeah, so it, it really is. It you know, if you have, if you think about it, it makes all the sense in the world. If if you have a loved one that that died and 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 owns a, a Manhattan apartment, of course you're going to go with who your attorney recommends you use. Especially if you're not, if you you know, if you're the um, benefactor of the estate, you don't live locally or you just hand it right over and um so i would have to say that that was really the most that that was a critical move that i made that 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 differentiated me from the rest of my of my pack let's call it my incoming class and it's Um, funny because uh, i've I've certainly heard of attorneys calling divorce attorneys and of course estate planning attorneys make all the sense in the world. I don't know why that wouldn't have occurred to me, but I think you might be the first person in all the hundreds of episodes we've done that have mentioned estate planning attorneys. So I'm I'm almost thinking they may be uh, a, a bigger opportunity in certain ways because um, a lot of agents maybe do think, oh, I should call a divorce attorney and get, and you should do that, of course, you should develop mm-hmm. those relationships. But estate planning attorneys maybe go a little bit, a little bit forgotten. Uh, a yeah, bit. kind um, of under the radar, but yeah, absolutely. That, that, Brilliant. Yeah, that's uh, a, a thousand percent, uh, that even more so than divorce attorneys, I'd say, because, you know, divorces wow. can get complicated and, and typically, especially if there are two people that are two parties that are are have vested interest in in that apartment usually you know somebody knows somebody they've lived in the town they've got somebody they want to use you know you're they're less likely to need the referral than an estate attorney great point Mm because a lot of times when mom and dad pass uh and the kids now are to deal with all the estate stuff or one of them is people are either moving or they're living in different places. Kids live in Wisconsin. Yeah. They, they don't want to know from that. They just, you know, it goes to the probate court and uh, goes through probate, I should say. And, uh, and they'll, they'll trust their attorneys to, to handle it for them. And that's a really good spot. You, you, if you have a few relationships with, with um, some, 
very, you know, some successful attorneys that have quite a few clients or estates that they handle. It, it, it definitely, that, that is a huge place for, for inventory. I could see I could see two people uh, realtors doing um, webinars or in-person uh, you know events where it's like hey if you haven't done your estate plan I'm gonna bring my 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 estate planning attorney and we'll do a little combo of like you know a little presentation right, right. Um, I, I, I could see that being yeah absolutely oh totally definitely that that's very much the case again with you know you're with attorneys you know it's you're not supposed you can't technically you cannot get they're not entitled to a commission on that so like you can't right. say oh i'll kick it back to you you know but you can in other ways you know try to have have them benefit from from your business as you are from sure. from theirs and and that is one way is bringing them in for something like what what you're saying, like a, a, a seminar or or recommending them to sure. clients or your sphere of influence. You know that and that's definitely. It's it's actually even more brilliant in in a, in a way be, that I'm thinking, at least from my perspective, because everybody who owns a home needs a will, right? So it's like every single person you work with could potentially be a referral to. I mean, it, you know, depends on what that estate planning attorney, what kind of client they want, but like. Every single person who owns a home should have some sort of estate plan in place, um, even if it's just some you know easy will that, that they could do. But it, it's a really smart because not everyone gets divorced, um, so it's you just like, well, <laughs> somebody's getting divorced. I can certainly refer them to my to my uh, the attorney I like. But everybody needs an estate plan, yep, so yep, it's yep. it's actually you, everybody's got to do thing. two things: you got to pay taxes and you got to die. Those two things are are and we don't know when. Unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about, I want to talk about the state of the market today because you're a huge producer and the market is at least I, I'm in Chicago. Um, we have about 800 agents here at our firm. Mm -hmm. Um, all I hear about in, in our agents are great. I'm not here criticizing them at all, but I hear a lot of, um, people being, uh, nervous about rate where rates are with lending, um, obviously are, are higher than, than, I mean, they're always too high for anyone, really, but they're certainly higher today than they were, you know, two, three years ago. And, you know, we're approaching the sevens for, you know, most 30 year fixes and mm -hmm. fixed. And then, um, and then also inventory being because there's this disincentive to move right now, right? So if like, if I have a 3% mortgage, which I do, um, you'd have to really make a strong, not you, but, but a realtor would have to make a very strong case for me to go, I want to go from 3% to 7%. <laughs> like, that's I a tough, tough thing to to swallow yeah. tough pill to swallow it what is. are you what are you experiencing and, and how are you coaching some of your clients through this um so that they it, so that there can it can make sense for them to make these decisions well it, it's it's been it's been tough in that it really is a double whammy because we're just coming off of covid you know the the pandemic surge where a lot of people that were sort of teetering or on the fence about selling, you know, it was in their five-year plan, let's say, and then this thing happens that drives the value of their of their investment up some 20, 30 percent, and and you're like, well, I, gee, I better cash in. So we had a lot in the last two, three years. We've had a we've seen a lot of that where people are are cashing in their chips. So uh, 
you've got um, a pause in in the in the action of of those those people that would have been putting their homes on the market. They've already sold, so yeah. we've got we're taking a hit from that side, and then we're taking another from the interest rate side because, like you said, I mean people are sitting enjoying their two three percent rates but they're not seeing a dip in prices to incentivize them to if they if they want to you know downsize get something bigger if they want you know we're just not it's just not there's no incentive for them to move unless you're moving to an entirely different area um or if you you know let's say you're in a certain zip code because of the school system and you know you want to move to a, a town where or a, a different part of the country where the the cost of living is much different it's or it it's really like a, um it's not a choice it's like you've got to move because of your job or because of a divorce or it's just you know one of those instances um, so we're really suffering with the inventory and, and buyers are frustrated. It's, it's a really tough time. I mean, um, I can't even imagine, you know, I have, I'm working with buyers right now that are in, you know, in, I've got buyers that are in the 5 million plus range. And then I've got several buyers that are in the like one to three range, and the one to three range is just forget it. Yeah. It is Too, so so much competition. So much competition, and they're and they're going in. They're putting in offers. They're waiving contingencies. You know, mortgage contingency, appraisal contingency, inspection contingency. Forget it. You know, we'll pay like we'll pay all cash. We'll close when you want. We'll like, you know, we'll we'll. Uh, uh, Put a statue of your family in the backyard for the rest of us for the end of time for us to to worship at your feet. I mean, you, at, but you're you're going against thirty other applicants. Like there, that you are in a bidding war amongst. You know, there are literally go, we're going against um, twenty twenty five different bids. So how do you win that? I mean, it is so so tough. So a lot of times, like right now, what I'm doing with my buyers is I'm looking at, you know, expired listings. I'm I'm looking at, you know, I'm locking on doors. I'm I'm trying to go off market because once you get involved with all of that craziness, when 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 you are two, first two four weeks to market on the MLS, if you're priced appropriately, it's going to be a madhouse. I mean, if you're overpriced, yeah. you're overpriced and that's that you can't do anything about that. But like if you're, if, you know, you're listing in that the one to three range, it is going to be an absolute zoo and you're competing against the same people over and over and over again. And it's incredibly frustrating. Are there any, any tips you have to stand out in those offers? Um, any suggestions of you know, obviously, um, you don't have a ton of control over all those multiple offers, but just anything that that has helped you get a little bit of an edge uh, when you're submitting, you know, an offer that you know is getting a dozen or more other offers. Well, um, so again, this is where relationships do play a big part because when you start to do a lot of business in a certain market, you get to know all the players, right? So, like, if I know the listing broker. 
I know I've got an advantage because I can, I can talk or even better yet, if I've done a deal with that listing broker and we know each other, we can trust each other. Then I know that I can go to, I can, I can talk with that listing broker more frankly and get more information for my client than, than some, than an unknown. So sure. that's where experience really is crucial. Like you want to work with someone who's been around the block a few times to, to, because knowing the landscape, knowing the players really makes a huge difference because if it's between you and your client or, you know, Joe Schmo that from some firm you've never heard of. With the exact same all, offer, all you're going to, you're going to win. Equal, yeah. Right. You're going to yeah. get it. So um, I would say that that does play a part for sure. Um, the other thing I recommend doing is, you know, the, the family resume always helps like that cheesy kind of like, we love your house and we the, like the love letter. Yeah. Right. And the photos with the family and like, you know, because people, you know, homes are very, they're very sentimental, meaningful things to people who, who've raised a family and a home and spent decades of their life caring for this home they really want to make sure that that home goes to somebody who's going to do the same thing. You know, totally. I, I, that's just, it's almost like th there is such a powerful emotional connection to, to a home that you've lived in and raised your family in. And you really, you don't want to sell that home to like a developer, you know, or some investor, like, uh, you know, somebody representing like a, a some guy in, you know, and some Russian oligarch or something. Sorry. Um, you know, like, like if you're a nice, nice, if you're nice people that, that have, you know, like you, you want to, you like the school system, you're a nice family, you absolutely want to present that to the sellers. And there is, you, you can get an edge. I mean, I just, totally. just, we just experienced this, um, recently with a, uh, with a deal that I'm in, doing in the mo at the moment in Bedford, New York and in, in Westchester County, it was between my people and, um, and, or, or it was going to go to this developer who actually had put in a higher offer than we did. Oh. But, um, this is, you know, they're a young couple, they want to raise a family in this home they love so this is a this is another thing that that's a, this is a tip that that people love getting compliments on the work that they've done or the upgrades that they've done on the home so you know knowing like this was in 1930 um just almost it, it's a gorgeous home but that they did so much work to it upgrading it decorating it, and and painting and and the moldings and the chandeliers they did all the fireplaces over they they really did a wonderful job so we wanted to just throw let we wanted to tell them what a brilliant job that they had done how much we love the the um the materials that they used in their kitchen we love the um the kitchen island that granite is that you know get detailed People love that stuff. They love of like course. being they like 
you know, why do we do anything, right? Like, why do we renovate our kitchens and bathrooms and put all this all the stuff on the wall because we want people, our guests to come in and say, Ooh, wow. Great. Have you like, that's why we do it. Right. So like to get that recognition, to get that kind of like, that's going to get, that's going to work in your favor. People do. What, appreciate what, that. what percentage, what would you guess? Cause you are up against multiple offers, of course, in, in the price ranges you're at. And you know, you're coming in with some of the more human parts of it. They're like, Ooh, we really love what you did with the kitchen and blah, blah, blah. You know, and you can talk about that or even maybe the buying couple can record a little video or, or, or type out a letter or, you know, Hey, Oh my God, it's so amazing. Um, what percentage of offers do you think do that? Um, is it, it's got, it's, it, it, I know it was more popular during the pandemic when, there were so many offers where it was like you had to do something to stand out. But now that that's subsided, but inventory is still low and there are a lot of multiple offers now, is that a common thing or is that just something that like, I imagine most realtors don't do that. They just put in the offer, see what happens. Yeah, I I guess it depends, you know, on the deal. It depends on, you know, like for example, if I'm, if I'm representing one of those estates from the, you know, referral from a state attorney, like, those kids in Wisconsin, they just want, you know, they want to divvy up the money. They got to split it four ways. They don't care or right. something, you know, it doesn't work all of it. That's not, sure. it's not all the time. Um, I guess it's a, I would apply it as needed. It's a situational kind of uh, vibe, vibe out. You got to suss it out and see when it's appropriate and where it's appropriate. And of course, like if it's appropriate for your client too, because right. maybe you're not representing a really nice family, like maybe you are representing, you know, yeah. um, an investor or somebody that wants to put a sub- subdivide it or or do all or gut it or who knows. Um, so it really it, it's that's sort of a yeah apply as needed is is what as is how I would phrase that. And that's something do- that that a good broker can can vibe out, especially if you are if you're if you've worked with that listing broker before, you know that that's in the in the due diligence information gathering stage. You, a good broker should be able to guide you through that. Yeah, no, for sure. I love that tip. Is is if we think that the sellers have an emotional attachment to the upgrades they've made. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be something that the agent can ask the other agent, hey, my client really loves what you guys did with the kitchen. Um, and then they can, you know, can figure out how much you want to uh, press that in in the in the offer. Um, but certainly um, people are always love to be complimented on their work. So mm-hmm. um, that is uh, you know e- even even if it doesn't win the win the bid it certainly is a is a good practice to compliment people on what they've done right with their house. Oh, um, yeah. Because also if if they're like most of us, I think most of us like we look in the mirror and we see the little imperfections in right. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think most people think about that way with their home as well. It's it's like, yeah. yeah, I did this project, but then there's these like 10 other projects I had didn't get to. So most people look at their home and they're like, oh God, I have so many things I have to do and I haven't done. And then when somebody comes in, it's like, oh, that thing you did is really cool. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. I did do that thing, yeah, and that's yeah, really, yeah. it's uh, it's a nice a good, little reminder. Yeah, it, I mean, a home, your home is an extension of yourself. It is a representation of yourself, absolutely. And 
just like you said, we look, we, uh, when we're living in it, we don't see how bad yeah. we look and see the flaws. And we think everyone's going to come in and say like, oh, that is like the wall color she picked. Oh, like that, you know, I remember when I first got my, my first apartment on the Upper West Side and um, I stained the floors really dark, you know, so it was like this pre-war apartment and like, the walls were this really high ceilings with like these moldings, beautiful, like a classic six uh, apartment on the on the Upper West Side, and um, I stained them like I just went for it. I stained them like ebony colored, you know, so really yeah. shiny and kind of contrasted the white walls and everything. But of course, I was like, oh God. Is it, is it like so is it too dark like did i yeah. put the right shade and i sure. remember like walking i would i would walk in to get my first impression of the place and then walk back out and then walk back in to like get a fresh like i must i probably did that 20 times and you know my my husband at the time was probably like oh my god she's she's totally gone berserk but it was that first friend that came over i remember her name's eve we went to college together she came over and she said i love your floors and then you and never I, had to think about it again it was like oh my god god bless like oh, yeah it, it just yeah you need affirmation we all we all love and need affirmation well, I have I have an all white uh, condo. Um, everything's white or in like white and black. The fixtures are black, um, you know. But like the countertops, the f the floor is light. All the walls are white, and I can't wait for like ten years from now, somebody will walk in and go, "What were they thinking?" Because everything changes, you know. And at some point, oh, yeah. like the all white thing will just not be cool anymore, and mm -hmm. everything is going to look goofy at some point in history. Um, so it's funny. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I remember when I bought my con uh, condo before in 2005 and we were doing certain things with granite and that was real popular. And now it's like, we look at those goofy granite, uh, some of the goofier granite colors. We're like, what were they thinking? It's like, no, that was in back in 2005. And now, you know, the white thing has kind of been in for the last five years and it's probably yeah. on its way out and it was like, at some yeah, point. The bleached floors, that, was, that yeah. had a rhyme yeah. where it was like, you know, the, those like bleached wood and, and yeah. like Nantucket-y kind of shingles and the, like everything's just like been in the sun for too long kind of look. Right. right. <laughs> It is, it is funny, but it, it is, it's important. I think agents sometimes forget that, that like there are real, if you're representing buyers, there's real human beings on the seller side. And if you have a good relationship with that, with the listing agent and, and that's where it's really important to play nice in the sandbox, right? It's like always, oh, yeah. and look, I know, especially I think women get, I mean, I don't want to generalize based on gender, but but I, I think women get this much worse than men is that there's just a lot of jerks that are realtors in the industry too. And I know a lot of women who are who are very successful in real estate who are like, you would not believe the way I get spoken to by other realtors on a regular basis. Like nice, nice people. You see, you're, you're nodding your head. And it's like, well, who could ever be mean to Sarah? She's like a lovely, sweet person. Oh, she has to deal with this too. And, and and the reality of it is it only is ultimately going to hurt the other agent if they're a jerk to you because you're not going to forget that. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're especially like the whole like listing broker, buyer, buying broker dynamic. 
like if you're the listing broker, you are like too cool for school. Like you are, you know, you should be grateful if you get a return phone call from the listing broker. Yeah, like it, it's just that's the that's the market that we're in right now. It's a seller's market, right? So like you if you want to be on the sell side and and like we're all the buyer's side, we're all sweating away and like, please, can we show it? Please. Oh, you'll let us like you just have to be so nice and and you know, catch more flies with honey type thing. And the listing broker stuff, it's like like can we just lose the attitude you know like i ugh, it's just like please i i don't understand it you know like it's one of those like you, you know when there's like an event for a cocktail for brokers or networking event for brokers and people are like why am i gonna go to that i don't want to meet a bunch of brokers like i'm not selling a brokers and it's like, uh-uh, no, you go to those, you go to all those cocktail parties, you you meet everybody, you handshake, you throw cards up because you never know when that relationship is going to be important. And the bigger yeah. your network, you know, the more that that business is going, it's going to inevitably build. If you put it out there, it's going to build. Yes. And you, you could not be more more accurate there. And, and I've just heard that said over the years on the show by just about every person we've ever had on is is be really really nice to other agents and also realize that other agents might be having a bad day too and give them a bit of grace when they falter uh, and maybe are less than professional even though that's never acceptable to be less than professional but it happens and it's one oh, of those things where um, you know, the, the top agents I know kind of learn how to grin and bear it a little bit more. It's not quite as personal to them when somebody's awful to them. And, and obviously that sucks where to ever have somebody be awful to anybody, but this idea of like, I'm just going to catalog that. I'm going to remember that. And, you know, maybe in the future that maybe won't serve that person that was crappy to me. Maybe, maybe, oh, yeah. or, or, but I, it, you know, and, and Karma. we all want Karma happens. It's a karmic recognition. It, it, it happens. And especially, you know, in, a, in a, a market like Greenwich where, you know, it's a, it's a big market, but there are a few very strong players that you'll, you'll see again and again. And, um, and, you know, and that the beauty of our business too, is like a deal has a beginning and an end, right? Like you can tolerate anybody for it through a, the length of time that it takes to to sign a contract and go, get to a closing. It's not like you're going to have to go to a nine to five job and see this person every day for the rest of your life. You know, like it, they, it, when the deal is done, the deal is done. And that's what I love. I love like the sense of of completion, the, the of achievement, of finale you know it's over so you can move on to the next one but you just need to make it through that make it keep everybody happy till we get to the finish line i i agree i think that is that makes uh, all the sense in the world um one thing i wanted to mention because i know we're we're kind of running com coming up on near the end of our, our time i was um thinking about 
um, your, you know, what you're, oh, I, w- I know I wanted to ask you, it was about what you do in between your deals. So you just talked about like, there's a beginning and an end to the relationship. You know, some, some clients are easier to work with than others. Some you're like, I can't wait to be the, this person's friend forever. And others are like, you know, um, that was a nice experience and we don't need to, you know, keep, keep, uh, you know, keep, keep, uh, communicating, but what do you do in between those transactions so that the clients don't forget about you, right? Like, obviously you can't be friends with everybody. Um, but are you doing, because, you know, if somebody's only really utilizing you every, let's say five to seven years or whatever the cycle is in your area, mm-hmm. um, what are you doing so that they don't forget, Oh, who did we use five years ago? Not that oh, you're yeah. forgettable. You are not forgettable, but let's assume that we're all forgettable. <laughs> You know, we're all, we're all forgettable. Um, and, and so, you know, we, what, what are you doing to make sure your clients don't forget you? I mean, you got to do all the stuff to stay top of mind, right? Like we all know the stuff it's just there. It's, it's a, it's not, this is the gritty pain in the ass stuff that we all, it's all like, we're not looking forward to it. We don't love coming up in your inbox all the time and being so annoying and videos and, you know, like being in your face type thing, but it really, it, it matters. It's important. Like you have to stay top of mind. And that means continuously marketing yourself, reaching out, you know, to, to your network, um, blasting out those emails, sending postcards, Social media obviously is incredibly important. And I always say it's it's more like if, if it's not like you're, I personally don't get my, my phone's not ringing off the hook from my social media. You know, it's not like someone's looking at a TikTok that I made and like, oh my God, Sarah, like it's you, you are the one you have to sell our house. But it what it does provide is like it's a um, it, when they go to do some due diligence on you and they go to check you out, a would be client, they're, they're going to see all that stuff and they're going to feel nice and safe and snugly sound that they're in good hands with with you. Like so that stuff all really it accumulates. It makes you as the time goes on and you've got more and more history, it's it's all the better. So you really just you can't be afraid to put yourself out there. And I know that that's so, it's not easy to do. It's it's like, it's really, it, you gotta take the good with the bad when it comes to that stuff. But you really, it's in this day and age, and it's crucial to not only maintaining your business, but really growing your business. You, you need to stay uh, relevant to the conversation. It also gives people access, right? Like it allows people to feel like they have a connection with you even at three in the morning when you're asleep, if they're awake scrolling through Instagram or wherever, and they're now seeing like, oh, oh, that's a, maybe I know Sarah, or maybe I don't, maybe I'm being introduced to her through a TikTok or whatever, but it allows people access to you more about you without you having to make, pick up the phone and, and, you know, call, make these cold calls, which you've done, you've done cold walking. You've done a a lot of these more difficult, um, you know, sort of cold introductions. Whereas, you know, social media is a great way for people just to remember, remind, be reminded of what you do. Right. So it's like, you can continually pump out content about all this cool stuff you're doing in real estate in, in sort of the thought that like the right people will see it 
my followers might see it. They'll at least be reminded I'm still in the game and doing X, Y, and Z for, for as a realtor. Um, so I, I think for it's, it's a lot of just a branding thing, right? It's like, it's not, it's more than that, but I think from a branding perspective, it's, you know, we know most people scroll, uh, you know, scroll in, in, a, in some sort of social media channel once or twice during the day might as well be one of the things they come across, right? Uh, exactly. And I mean, if you're not doing it, somebody else is doing it. I can guarantee you that. And like, and the more that we are in, in uh, an online business, you know, I mean, I think Zillow is a real game changer in, in the way that we, um, we have the availability of, of understanding your market and, and knowing what's on the market. Um, we didn't have this pre 2000. I mean, the, the client had to solely rely on the realtor to show you what was available on the market at that time. So now they have access to pretty much almost every platform that you do. So how are you going to add value to that person? You know, how, how are you going to enhance that experience for them or pr provide provide them uh, an experience buying or selling a home that an, an, a different agent can't, you know? Yeah. So that's really, you got to find exactly that, your brand, your vision. What's really cool is you get to lean into that now, whatever your thing is, like could be outside of real estate even, maybe you're passionate about something, a hobby or you know, a particular belief system or group or whatever, you're just into X. And what's really cool as an agent with social media, one of the good parts of social media is you get to not only find all the other people that are into X, but even if you don't have a community of people that are into the same thing you are, you can start posting about that on your real estate page. If you're really into something, maybe it tangentially relates to real estate or, or maybe it doesn't. But if you're into surfing or whatever you might be into, um, you know, you can do that. And then people start to feel like, oh, that's pretty cool. This this is what this person's into. And you will you can start attracting, you know, surfers or uh, people who are in that space uh, simply by posting uh, a, a lot of good quality content that a surfer might want or that somebody that's yeah. into cross stitch or what, whatever it might be. Right? No, um, that, and like, you, you, you get to be yourself, mm -hmm. which is really you cool blow open that entire different uh, demographic that you wouldn't have had access to. And yeah. that's like this job, you're always working, even when you're socializing and just generally having fun, you know, like you're actual, you're, you're working, you're always, you're meeting people, you're interacting with people. It's an opportunity to let that person know who you are and what you do. You know, so that's why it's so important to, I, I mean, obviously wor working your, your career is important, but when I'm, you know, playing tennis or I'm playing pickleball, or even if I'm going to, you know, an event, a fancy Greenwich um, uh, gala or something like that, th that's always an opportunity to connect with somebody and to grow your business. So like, it's a kind of a cool way to not feel guilty sometimes. Like sometimes when, you know, you're doing something that's not work, 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 you're like, oh, but really when I'm, I mean, I've gotten a lot of business from playing tennis because sure. we women love to chit chat when we're playing a doubles match, like we're on the, on the changeover. 
I'm like, who doesn't love to talk about real estate? You know, sure. like, and everyone's got to live somewhere. Right. And like, it's such, it's so easy to casually be like, oh my God, you guys, the showing that I had earlier today, let me tell you. And they'll lean right in. They, they, they want to know. And my goal is always to make sure not, don't ever leave any social situation without them knowing that I'm a realtor. Like that's all I have to do. That's all you have to do. I don't, I don't need to push it down. I don't need to ram it down their throat and ask them where they live and are they interested in selling in the next five years? You know, I, all I need to do is have them register that somewhere in their peripheral that, Oh, I played tennis with this lady and she's a real estate broker and you just don't know how that's going to germinate. You know, and it might, and it might be that like that person's brother is a realtor. And so you're not going to get that business, but they might say, oh, my friend, you need to talk to my friend. She would be awesome because, you know, so yeah, you're right. You never know where it's going to germinate. Um, I I love what you just said. Every, your job is as a marketer, part of, of being a realtor is to make sure that everybody who you come across that you interact with understands what you do for a living. It does, right. Pushing is, is always, to me, I, I'm not a big yes. fan of people who push yeah, it, but, so I, but I want to know, I want to know what all of my friends do. I want to know where they work. Like I have an, I have an interest in that. When I meet somebody, you know, oftentimes what they do for a living might be the least interesting thing, but I still ask and I still, I'm like, oh, what are you into? What do you do? It, that's really, really important. We shouldn't be um, again, it, and also everyone's got to live somewhere, so they're going to need a realtor anyway. So you might as well, it's not like you're trying to sell them aluminum siding or something that they may or may not need <laughs> or want, right? You're not selling something that's not important. You're actually like, well, you're going to use a realtor anyway. So it's a good idea to make sure that people know that that's what I do. So I, I want to end with that because I think that is such an important create uh, important thing it, it may, for everyone listening. Let's make it a goal that everybody in your life this year is going to get some sort of reach out from you in a gentle way to remind them that you are in the business um, and you can figure out the best way to to do that. Everyone's got their own individual style. Make sure that everybody in your, and that you're consistently dripping something on them. Maybe not every week, every maybe not every even month, but a few times a year at at a minimum, they're getting some sort of reminder that you Mm -hmm. are a realtor. Um, so Sarah, thank you so much. And I also want to say for everyone before, before leaving, don't leave yet because, um, I would like to, uh, r- remind everyone that Sarah is always speak. We talked about having relationships with other realtors. Sarah is, gets a lot of her business from referrals because she's just that good. So if you have any clients that are moving in and out of, of Connecticut, even parts of New York, it doesn't even matter where, just reach out to Sarah. She can't help you. She'll know who to refer to, but she would love to connect with you specifically um, around you know, Connecticut, um, parts of New York as well. So we're talking Fairfield County, Greenwich, Westport, yeah, yeah. Westchester. Fairfield County, Westchester County, right outside yep. the city. Uh, th- those those are my wheelhouses and, and I, I I love referrals. I, I think you'll, you would... I, I never chintzy with referral fees. Uh, well, and, and Sarah's clients oftentimes have other homes elsewhere or move. So uh, if you are in an area that people maybe retire to, yeah, uh, you know, or Florida, got, Florida yeah, is the big Florida. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, um, you know, this, this is a two way street sort of scenario. So definitely reach out to Sarah. Also, if you're a realtor, 
uh, in Connecticut and you're like, God, I would love to work with someone like Sarah. I would love for her to be on to, to be on her team and learn from her. She learned from one of the best. You can learn from her. She's one of the best now. So you know, re- now she, obviously she's they they she can't take everyone. But if you think you could add value to her team, or if you think you know she could add value to to your business, reach out to her. This is um let's let's build a relationship. So Sarah, if there is another realtor who wants to connect with you either for a referral or maybe they're interested in looking at Douglas Elliman or your team, what's the best way they should reach out to you? Well, they can always they can find me on my Insta, which is at Sarah Stone Style. Um, and if not that, you know, I, my cell phone, my, my email, um, which I don't know if you can provide that in the notes, sure. but, Go, but yeah. always reach out. Uh, my website is, um, element.com slash Sarah Stone and there I will be. And I would love, I would love to connect with as many listeners as I possibly can. And really, this is fun. I would love to, to do this again sometime. DJ. Totally. A total pleasure to chat. I can chat with you all day. So. Yeah, it was it was so much fun. So everyone, uh, definitely follow Sarah on Instagram, Sarah Stone Style. We will have links to her email, also her website on uh, in the show notes. So please feel free to connect with her. She's super easy to find, um, and make a connection with her and let her know um, what you thought of the episode. And also, you know, maybe you guys could do some business together. So, or maybe you could join her team. So anyway, Sarah, thank you so so much for your time. Sarah is a huge huge superstar. We're so grateful to have you on the show. So on behalf of the audience, thank you. And on behalf of, and we want to also thank the audience too. So on behalf of Sarah and myself, I want to say thank you for listening and supporting our show, support our sponsors. Thank you for watching and listening. Please just tell one friend about the show. That's the only thing we we ask. You know, I, I guarantee everyone listening knows one realtor that could use a little bit of help this year. It's a tough year for realtors. So Let's send them uh, this, a link to this episode. Maybe it'll help them get to the next level in their business. Um, so Sarah, thank you so, so much. We will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks, Sarah. Pleasure. Thank you so much.